Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, I am going to be continuing our series um, this week on the inward journey. And today we're going to be talking about uh, prayer and praise and the significance, the power that that has as we pursue the inward journey. And as some of you may know or may have heard, I, before I was on staff here at New Day Community Church, I worked at a place called Fox Brothers. And Fox Brothers was a building supply company. And one of the things that I did my first few years that I was there is that I drove the, the roofing delivery truck. Right? It's this big 30-foot-long diesel truck. It had a, a 30-foot boom on it with a conveyor belt. You would back the big old truck into the, into the job site, move the, the boom up to the truck, or up to the roof, and then you would pick up the bundles of shingles, put it on the conveyor belt, and it would go up. Okay? And I did that for many, many years. And I liked driving the trucks. It was fun. You felt higher and better than other people. And, uh, and so, and I did that for, for a lot of years. And each spring uh, was pretty special, right? Because in spring, the sun is out. Right? The snow is melting, the birds are, are singing, the flowers are blooming, and every job site in southwest Michigan is a pit of mud. <laughs> and it is not as pleasant for delivery drivers as it is for all the other people. Right? And so I would, each spring I would go to the job sites and you'd try to avoid the mud. Right? And so I did this, and one I remember specifically because before I left, my boss said, I need you back really fast because we've got a lot going on today. No problem. And, and he also says, oh, and this, this guy is the general contractor and he's very particular about his job sites. Okay? And so I get there and it's a, it's a muddy mess, but there's this kind of driveway-ish area. So I back the truck up and unload the shingles and put the boom back down, strap everything down, ready to leave. And I don't know if I turned wrong, if I did something, but the truck just slides into the middle of this mud. And no matter what I did, the truck just sinks deeper and deeper into the mud. Right? I got, the, uh, I got some, some broken pieces of like plywood out of the dumpster, stick those under the, the dually wheels, right? trying to get some traction, nothing. I got this two-by-four trying to dig the mud out from the front of this, the, the tires so I could get some movement. Nothing I did worked. The contractor was getting mad because I was tearing his yard to pieces. Right? My manager is mad because I'm supposed to be back by now delivering the next the, the next job. And it is super stressful. And I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm freaking out. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I, at that point, I'm just ready just to walk off the job, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm, this is not worth it. I'm done. Come get your truck. It's in the mud, right? <laughs> and it was terrible. And, and so it was just this, this, oh, this trying, difficult situation. I didn't know what to do, right? And maybe you haven't been in that specific situation. Maybe you have. But I bet because you are all alive, that you have endured some sort of a situation where you feel completely out of your depth. That you feel like no matter what I do, I can't get out of this hole. I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm nervous. And why is the bad stuff happening to me? This is terrible. Right? I thought as a, as a Christian that maybe everything would be, you know, uh, butterflies and bullfrogs. Everything would be lollipops and gumdrops. Everything is supposed to be smooth sailing, right? I am a Christ follower. What is going on? 
But Jesus doesn't pull any punches, right? In, in John 16, he says, hey guys, in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised when difficulty comes. Right? And so Jesus doesn't promise to take us around all the difficult situations in life. Right? But he does promise to walk with us through them. He will not abandon us in the, the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. He will walk through it with us. He will never abandon us or forsake us. And though we are never promised that we can uh, avoid all the troubles of life, the, the, the Word of God, the Bible, does show us how we are supposed to approach each and every situation. In Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7, Paul says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul teaches us, he, in, uh, he's writing to the Philippians, but it's communicating us, this is the word of God for each and every one of us, that our response to every situation, difficult or good, anything, but our response to difficulty should be prayer and praise. This is what we're called to do. This is putting our faith into action. If we truly believe that God is who we say he is, that he can do what we say he can do, then we can step into faith because God responds to faith. And he can come in and and change that situation. He will come in and bring you peace that's beyond your understanding. And I know for me that this is not my normal response, right? My normal response to, to difficulty and struggle is not to run to God in prayer and worship. It should be. Spoiler alert, that's where we're going, <laughs> all right? Uh, but my normal response is one of two things. It's either I am going to trust in myself that I have what it takes. I'm going to trust in my own strength or my own ability to get this thing done. And I'm just going to hike myself up by my bootstraps and go for it. Or I'm going to run away. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to play the new Battlefront game on Xbox and just try to forget what's happening. And so today... To, to kind of give us an illustration of how we should respond to difficulty in our lives. We shouldn't trust in ourselves and we shouldn't run away. We're going to look at the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. Uh, and he gives us a, a great example that, that we can follow in the face of overwhelming situations. All right, so Jehoshaphat, uh, just a little warning, we're going to read all 30 verses of chapter 20 today. So just bear with me. I really looked to try to find out the parts that were unimportant. It's all good. Um, the whole thing is good. So we're just going to read it all. And so Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings of Judah. Uh, there's not a lot of them, but his dad was a good king. Uh, Jehoshaphat was good. He's doing some good religious reform in Judah. He's getting rid of the idolatry. He's raising up some priests and some Levites. He's sending them all over Judah, teaching and instructing the, the people in, in the ways of God. 
things are going along really, really well. He's living in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, he hears that there's these three armies coming to attack him. Boom, right? Trouble. So imagine this. So imagine you're just, all you're trying to do is you're just building this base on a snow planet called Hoth. You're just, you know, you've got the the, the starships over here, and you're trying to kind of reconfigure the snow speeders and the X-wings, but, you know, until then, at least we've got these tauntauns, and everything's coming, and, and General Reekin's like, man, I think we've got everything pretty well taken care of here. Boom, what happens? Three star destroyers dropping AT-ATs right in your backyard. That's, that's, that's tough. That's probably what Jehoshaphat was <laughs> Jehoshaphat is General Reekin in this, in this scenario. All right, so all of a sudden, this, this stuff gets thrown in his lap, right? It says, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayunites come to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, hey, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat, what? What did he do? Right? I'm going to stop here for a second. We'll pick this story up. But Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Right? Is that very surprising? No. Right? He's going along. He's doing well. He's seeking God. And what? Boom! Three armies coming to attack him. Right? Three star destroyers. Three adats. Whatever you want. Right? The situation that he can't handle is thrown into his lap. And I have to imagine that each and every one of us knows exactly how this feels. Right? We're just going through life. We're doing our thing. And boom, trouble hits. The furnace breaks. We get sick. Someone we love gets sick. There's a, a relationship that just melts down. Right? There's trouble with the kids. There's trouble at school. There's trouble at work. Who knows what it is, but you're just going along, and then boom, you're thrown into the deep end of the pool, and it's all you can do just to keep your head above water. And so in, in the midst of this troubling situation, right, in the midst of this boom situation, how do you react? Like I said, so often our reaction is to trust in our own wisdom, to trust in our own strength, to work at it, to get it done, to attack the problem in our own power, right? Or we can just, oh, I'm just going to avoid this, I'm running away, I'm getting out of here. So how do you react? when the boom happens, when the, the floor drops out from under you. If in a busy and a crazy season of life, you know, you just kind of throw God to the wayside because you're like, man, I got too much to do here, right? I'll, I'll pick him up. I'll spend more time with him once I get through this situation. That could be a problem, right? It might flow out of an ungodly belief that, that God actually isn't very helpful in life. It might come out of this belief that, man, I am the only one that is going to take care of me. You know, if every difficult situation that we encounter leads to stress and worry and fear and doubt, and we end up turning to, to gossip or slander or porn or alcohol or drugs or TV or Netflix or video games or whatever it is to ease that pain, if that's where we're running first, that could very likely flow out of this ungodly belief that God's not really in control. God doesn't really care about this situation. He's not going to see you through. 
and you're stressed out, you're, you're worried, well, he's not going to come and meet that need. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. Right? And these ungodly beliefs that kind of linger around in our brain, they're these lies that we believe about ourselves, we believe about others, we believe about God, and they affect our thoughts and our actions. Right? They separate us from the freedom and the life, the abundance that God wants for us. And so when we recognize something in our lives that doesn't line up with Scripture, right? The, this Scripture says, rejoice in every situation. You know, pray and worship in every situation. Do it always, right? When we see that, oh, that's not what we're actually doing, that's a problem. And we need to realign the way we think with the truth of Scripture, right? We need to recognize them. We need to, uh, to confess them, press in for the truth. Because God tells us that we are supposed to seek him first in every situation, with worship, with prayer, with thanksgiving. And if that feels like foolishness, you might be believing a lie. It's like a terrible Jeff Foxworthy joke. <laughs> if you feel... <clears throat> so, back to the story. So, alarm, Jehoshaphat, what? This is actually uh, an artist's rendering of the situation. Uh, this is not an actual photograph, but this is, so alarm, Jehoshaphat, what? What does he do, right? Maybe we can assume, uh, you know, that alarm, Jehoshaphat freaks out and goes and hides in a closet. That seems reasonable. There's all these armies. Maybe they're not going to check the closet. Could be safe, right? Or alarm, Jehoshaphat tells his advisors, bring the whiskey. Yeah, you could probably do both. Um, alarmed, Jehoshaphat, right, uh, he watches, or binge-watches Stranger Things on Netflix. That's, I mean, you know what, the armies might still be there, but at least you can tune them out for a little bit, right? right? Or maybe, alarmed, Jehoshaphat gets three gallons of cookie dough ice cream and just cries on his couch. Also, uh, a reasonable thing to do. But based on sound exegesis, this does not seem to be what actually happened in Judah. All right? Here is what happened. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Well, that seems like a good idea. He proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new cour courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Right? We see that the, the, the Judites and, uh, and Jehoshaphat, they had a plan. When bad stuff happens, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand here at your temple and we're going to cry out to you. Verse 10 says, But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. 
See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah respond to this terrible news, right? Not by running away, but by seeking God, by trusting in him. Right? Are they freaked out? Absolutely. Are they completely out of their depth? Yes. Right? But they stand on the promises of God's protection in faith. They're like, we believe that God is who he said he is. And so what does this reveal about Jehoshaphat's core beliefs? Right? We see that he believed that God was real. Not just the guy that they talked about. Not just a, a book that they read about some guy from long ago. Right? But he believed that God was real. He believed that God was good. Right? He believed that God actually cared and he was actually willing and is actually able to help Judah in this situation. Isn't that amazing? He didn't run away. And this is a, a great example, right, for each and every one of us. How are we supposed to respond in times of trouble? To seek God through prayer and worship. Because Jehoshaphat knew that he couldn't solve this problem. Look at verse 12, right? It says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. How often do we feel like we are in this kind of a situation? Wouldn't it be great to have this prayer memorized, right? And you just put it on a little business card and put it in your jacket so it would come in useful, right? We don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. And so all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord, waiting. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's a good word. I take that. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Amen. And Jehoshaphat bows down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Jehoshaphat and Judah, they put their faith into action. Right? They believed what God had said. They believed what God had promised. And so they prayed and they waited and listened. I think it's interesting that Jehoshaphat and Judah waited on God while these three armies are marching against them. Like, this is a dire situation. We need to respond right now. What are we going to do? Let's seek God and wait. Wow. 
And so all of Judah, just imagine, they're just, it just says they waited. They're just waiting. The army's coming to crush them, and they are just waiting. And they waited, and they listened, and they received a word from God about how they should proceed, right? Probably a word that they wouldn't have come up with on their own. And the reality is, right, that God still can speak to us today. Right? This is good news. Right? Jesus says in John 10, 27, that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Right? We can hear God's voice. And when we are in difficult, when we are in over-our-head situations, we can expect God to speak. We can learn to, to quiet ourselves, to, to pull away from the chaos and the, the worry and the anxiety and the fear. Get away into the, the quiet place and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have power to handle this. And then wait. When I was preparing uh, for this sermon, I was in the midst of a crazy week, actually kind of a crazy season. This semester of school has been pretty, pretty wild. And I was in one of those seasons of, uh, of busyness where... Uh, you know, that your schedule is booked from the morning that you wake up to when you go to bed at night, right? You're burning the candle at both ends. Something has to give. And one of the really simple things to do, don't tell Cameron, right, is that I'm just going to take my devotion time and my prayer time. I'm just going to kind of stick a pin in it over here. All right, we'll catch up to that when we can, when we can settle down a little bit, right? Because it doesn't seem, I have all this stuff to do, you know, spending a half hour, an hour with, with God doesn't seem like a very effective way to spend my time, right? God already knows what I want. God knows what I need. He knows that I think he's great, right? He'll understand that I've got stuff to do, right? And so I'm approaching this point where I need to write this sermon. I'm getting ready to, to go with the youth group to Ignition down in Sturgis for the weekend. So I know the weekend's busy. Um, I've got a little bit window of time before I have to go to class uh, on, on Thursday, and then I've got stuff for the rest of the day. And so I get into church really early, about quarter after seven, whatever, and I'm just like, all right, God, I'm going to get this done. I pull my laptop out, and I've given this verse. Cameron's like, all right, here's the verse. It's uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I'm like, I rejoice always. You know, don't be anxious and pray. All right, what am I going to do about this? I'm like, oh, you know, I've taken five semesters of Greek. You know, I could probably, probably the Greek word for rejoice means something good. So we'll just, maybe I could just kind of hack away at that. I'll just, I'll just make something up. <laughs> it's a good place to be. And, and so I'm just like, uh, and I'm just like, all right, I got to get this done. So I open my laptop up and God shows up, as he is wont to do. So God shows up and he says, Mark, why don't you pray for 15 minutes? I'm like, well, got a lot going on, as you know, um, but sure, I will. You know, if God shows up and asks you to pray, it's good, especially if you're a pastor, it's good just to say, <laughs> yes, I will, I will do that. And so, so I'm just in the building, nobody else is here, and I just, I just walk around the church for 15 minutes, just praying in tongues, just praying, uh, worshiping God, and I'm like, Constant. I'm like, has it been 15 minutes? Oh, two minutes. Okay. Kind of, all right. Kind of, God, you're so good. You're so good, right? And uh, I get to the end of the 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, great. Now let's get, let's get to work. And God says, why don't you pray for another half hour? And I'm just like, man, well, okay. You know what? Yeah. What am I, what are, I can't say no. You can't say no at that point, right? And, and I'm just like, but you realize that the window of opportunity for me to write this sermon is closing right? 
like it, in few days, I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and say words, right? And so just letting you know. Um, and, and so I'm fine. So I'm praying, praying for another 15, 20 minutes. And then God's like, why don't you lay down? And I'm just like, God, I don't want to lay down. I don't have time to lay down. I need to get stuff done, right? But I am obedient and I, and I lay down. I'm just waiting out of God. And I just feel the peace of God just kind of start to wash over me. I'm just like, oh, that's nice. That's better. That's better. And then all of a sudden, I hear God says, do you remember that story where the, 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 the Judites or the Israelites, I can't remember what he said. He probably said Judites. He knows the story. Uh, he, uh, he said, you remember when they put the worship team at the, at the front uh, of the army to defeat the enemy? And I'm like, I guess so. I, 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 so I Googled it because I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. So I Googled it. I knew... Obviously, I knew it existed. I've read Second Chronicles, obviously. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know where it was. So I Google it, and uh, I'm really impressed with people who pastored and spoke before Google. It's so impressive. So impressive. Um, and so, so I Google it, I find it, and I'm reading it, and I'm just like, oh, this is so good. This is exactly it. And so, it, and I'm just kind of jotting down some notes, and God is just kind of showing me, this is how you can outline it. This is how you can do it. Here's some of the things you can do. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And God just like, here you go. Oh, so good. It was so more, much more relaxing than me trying to make something up. Right? <laughs> And this is just a little baby example, right, of how we can expect God to show up. We can expect God to speak and to lead and to take care of us, right? And by stepping into a, a time of prayer, I was actually rewriting this belief that I was responsible to get everything done, right? That it's only my wisdom or my intelligence, my ability to own a Greek lexicon that is going to help me get through, you know, this sermon. That is crazy. That should have been a huge red flag right there, right? I re realized that as I just got down on my knees and just laid there in, in the presence of God, I was allowing him time to conform this ungodly belief to his truth. Right? That there is taking time to remember that God is active and God is personal. He's not far off and aloof. Right? He's not just looking down, waiting to see how I'm going to respond to this difficulty or that difficulty. Right? He wants to come and be with us in the midst of it. He wants to guide us and direct us because he loves us. He cares about us. He cares about every situation that we are in. And not only does he care, but he is able yeah. to help. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> so, so think about it for yourself. Is there something going on in your life that you've been trying to solve on your own? Right? That you don't know what to do. You feel like no matter what happens, it just seems like that truck is getting stuck deeper and deeper in the mud. And you keep trying different things, trying to get, get through this situation. Right? What if you just chose to believe to trust God? What if you chose to seek him first, to come before him and say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but my eyes are on you. And then stop and wait to see what he would say. How many times have I been, God, I don't know what to do. Will you help me? And then I just start doing stuff. I don't take, the, I don't take that little bit of time, right? 
to wait. So we'll see how the story concludes here. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And I think this is interesting, right? The, the, Israel, or the, the Judahites and the, the army goes out and they worship before the breakthrough. They're worshiping God. They're giving thanks to God for his unfailing love, for his protection. And there's still three very capable armies coming at them. They were willing to worship before the breakthrough. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Wow. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. Thank you, Lord. There is so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of, Valley of Barakah to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem, went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for as God had given him rest on every side. See, every verse is good. It's hard to cut out anything. Right? The, the Judahites put their worship team out in front of the army. Not a classic strategy, right? But look what happens. As they began to, to sing and, and praise, the Lord sets ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they're all defeated. They didn't even have to draw their swords. And what we can learn from this is that God responds to faith. Right? God responds to faith. In prayer and worship are our faith in action. We see in this story that they trusted God to do what he said he would do. And God came through. Right? In this situation, by setting these ambushes for the invading army. And they turned on one another. What does that look like? I have no idea. Right? But we don't have to have it figured out. When we come to the Lord and go, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have power to do this. What is going to happen? Right? He doesn't have to show us, all right, do this, 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 and this. Right? Because God is supernatural. He is beyond our understanding. And sometimes God might just want to come in and do something that is beyond what we could ever come up with. And we're not going to hear that. We're not going to know what he wants to do unless we stop and pull back and wait. And so what we see is that not only did God take what was meant for Judah's destruction and protect them, but he also gave them plunder, right? So what the, the enemy means for our destruction, right? God not only can, can protect us from the enemy, but he can come in and bring blessing through that difficulty, through that trouble. We can collect the, the plunder, you know, from the, the enemy that God 
has defeated. Right? And so prayer and praise right, should be our natural first response in every situation. Good, bad, or otherwise. Because our God responds to our faith. And as I said before, prayer and worship are putting our faith into action. So put your faith into action this week. Find time to, to seek God. Set aside time in the morning to pray about whatever the situation is, whether it's at work or with your, your family or, you know, whatever, with the, with the mortgage payment, whatever it is, God, go, just take and go, God, I don't know what to do with this. But my eyes are on you. And then wait and see what he'll say. So I encourage you to show up on time for, for worship every moment. And even if you feel it or, or not, you can press into it and go, God, you are good. You are worth worshiping and valuing. Even if I don't feel it right now, I'm going to worship you in the midst of this. Right? When, when life overwhelms you, don't put God on a shelf. I never want to do that. I repented. He was gracious. And don't put him on a shelf and just think, well, I'll pick him up again once we get through this time when everything calms down. But I encourage you today and every day to run to him in the midst of the storm, to cling to him in faith, and to watch him supernaturally battle for you and bring you peace and maybe a little plunder. Amen. Let's pray. Will you stand with me? Father God, wow, we love you. God, you are so good. Lord, you are so good. We thank you that you battle for us. God, that you are for us. You are not against us. God, that you hear our prayers. God, we thank you that you are not far off, far away, just looking to see how we respond, but you are close and intimate. You love us. You have invited us up onto your lap, that you want to speak your truth and your revelation and your hope and your love to us. And so God, help us to step back, to quiet our minds, and to wait on you. God, I pray for each person here, for whatever situation they're facing today. God, that you would give them peace in the midst of that. God, that your peace would guard their hearts and their minds as they press through this difficulty. God, that you would bring revelation and hope to them. That you would give them supernatural revelation about how to fix the problem. God, we look forward to your victory. We just bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.